Hi, I'm Ryan, the Sticky Rules Guy. I'm Ben, the, uh, sure, player. Together, we're starting equipment. And today, we're going to talk a little bit about something that I know absolutely nothing about. So, Ryan, if you could explain this to me, what is the action economy? Sure. So we've brought it up several times, and I don't know if we've ever given it a really good definition. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to try and do that today. So the action economy, it's a reference to the really like abstract idea, right? Like it applies to every game that exists. But it's the idea that if you have a conflict, the end result of whatever the conflict is, right? A fight, a debate, whatever. You're trying to control your opponent's influence on the narrative, their ability to interact with the story. Mm -hmm. And actions are the currency of this exchange. You spend your action to change something in the game world. Makes sense. So when we talk about the action economy, we're talking about how capable different characters are at affecting the story and how one might have an advantage or a disadvantage either because they just have more actions or because their actions are more effective. And before we go any further, I just want to throw this out here. I'm not encouraging you to painstakingly find the absolute best mechanical choice anything that way lies madness it's a game you shouldn't be having fun with it i'm seeing that there are two big problems right when you really see the debate come up is usually from two situations choices and balancing the economy and we'll talk about choices first because it kind of leads into the other and what i mean by choices is all right, let's look at D&D. Not because D&D is especially bad at this, but everyone knows D&D. It's very straightforward. And they've actually done a lot of really cool things about it, this edition. So I think it'll be a great example. In combat in D&D, you control your opponent's narrative. When they run out of hit points, they stop taking actions, they're out, right? Makes sense. Yeah. And almost every game has some, some version of this, no matter what it is. But that means the end result, the end goal, in a combat in D&D, assuming, you know, everything else being equal, you're not trying to protect anybody, you know, you don't have an alternative motive, you're in a big field fighting other people, right? Yeah. Very plain. You want their hit points to hit zero. And there is no mechanical change until they hit zero. So doing ah. damage to someone is always a good use of your action. But it's quickest to get to zero doesn't matter anything else. Obviously, there are a whole bunch of other things you can do in D- D&D, right? You, tons of spells don't do damage, but whatever effect or ability you want to put in the game, whatever spell or special thing, you're going to have to weigh it. Is this better than just me doing damage to someone, assuming you're in a combat situation. You might have this really cool ability that lets you do cool things, and it may have put a great status on someone. But is it worth it compared to just doing damage, right? Right. Yeah, you can yeah. cast hold person, or you can cast fireball. Is punching a person for one damage now better than doing a sword attack for two damages that, that take time to wind up i don't want to make it seem like doing anything other than damage is worthless it's not it's not true and that would be a terribly boring game because (laughs) you just be like rolling dice and see who gets to one number fast Mm -hmm. which actually is a really abstract way to think about it let's not go there that's not the point no yeah that's that's (laughs) a grim that's a that is the path of madness yes um (laughs) i have seen the truth and it's just a bunch of numbers (laughs) 
But it's something, if you were to design a game or, you know, even homebrew some stuff for the game you're running, you have to think about it. Is this worth not doing the default, which is hitting someone? And there are a lot of ways around it, right? Um, if you stab someone with a poison dagger that paralyzes them or might paralyze them, you're doing damage and you might get a cool effect. There are a lot of spells, a lot of control spells, right? Like web and spike growth that lets you do things that are worth it, even if they're not doing damage. But there are also a lot of spells, like I mentioned earlier, hold person. In some older editions, people really refer to those as save or suck spells. Because if you fail to save, cool, you're out. You're paralyzed. I have advantage to hit you. You lose your action next turn. Screw you. Wow. If you make your save, cool. I spent a spell slot. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what I did this turn. Yay! But, uh, now that we've talked about choices, let's talk about balance. When this really comes up, like the situation where it is most clear is when you have the PCs in a conflict against some NPCs. And before I get any further, I want to say there is a blogger called Coins and Scrolls, and he has an excellent post about boss fights. So I'm going to reference a lot here. They wanted to make a Dark Souls-inspired RPG, and of course that means bosses are a big deal. So they sat down and they went, okay, what makes a good boss fight? How can I do that in an RPG? It's fantastic. Highly recommend it. But anyways, first of all, the GM has a higher cognitive load. When I say that, I mean the GM is keeping track of more stuff than you, the player, are. Yes. You have your character sheet. They have however many, plus stuff that's going on in the game world, plus things you don't know about. There's just a lot more they have to do. And second, if you're in a situation where there are fewer NPCs than PCs, the action economy already tilted against you. If you have your big boss, everyone wants the big boss fight at the end of the campaign. Dramatic. Huge. Yep. And because it, it's cool. But if you're fighting my big boss and there are five people in your party, you're taking five actions to my one. So immediately there's a problem. And even if you make your boss more effective to counteract the number of actions, they still have a big advantage because they can get up to more shenanigans than you can. They can take out a potion, hand it to each other. They can cast web and bless and hit you and do something else. They just have a lot more variety in choices. We've said all this stuff, right? We've said these are the big problems. And I've used D&D as the example, so it's only fair that I talk about the way D&D has come up with solutions to these. I say D&D came up with them. I don't know if they did. They're in 5th edition. <laughs> That's what I know. First of all, you want to balance your, your boss, right? So you have to make them more effective. However, if you just make them tougher and stronger, that may not work right. So think of it like a giant. PCs yep. are fighting a giant. Great. Big, strong, lots of hit points, hits really hard. But if the giant is just that, they hit really hard and they have it really tough, fine. The toughness works out great. But if they're only hitting people and they only have like one or two attacks, they're hitting whoever they're in melee with, with the same effect level of the party. Ah. Right. So I hope your tank's really good at it and I hope they're hitting your tank. <laughs> That gets kind of wonky, right? Like, if yeah. what if you crit? Well, he's already doing a lot of damage, and the crit, that may be more than the player can just take. Maybe they're just out. That's a huge problem. A better solution is a dragon, and that's why they're classic characters, classic monsters. Okay. They have an area of effect attack. They have a breath weapon. Right. Which lets them, it's a multiplier. I get to affect everyone, or multiple people at once, right? Right. Great. 
They also, when they attack in melee, they have the classic claw-claw bite. They're probably doing a decent amount of damage, but because they're making it multiple actions, they can split it up. I mean, assuming there's not just one person in melee, that's a bad situation to be in. Gives them the option to just, I'm not just going to sit here and drive the paladin into the ground like a pole. It it can like move around and, and, and spread that damage out. Right. Right. And that's a much better idea. The other things that are in Fit Dead that are really great for this, legendary actions, which are actions that only certain monsters have them, solo monsters. Okay. They can take after a PC takes an action. They're from a very limited list, but it just gives them that more versatility that the party has just because there are more people in it. I think one for the dragon is it makes a tail attack. One for like vampires have one that they, they can just move a certain distance and they don't provoke attacks opportunity. So none of these are super powerful, but just having something there... So they can, right, and it it helps balance it out. The other one is layer actions. If you fight these really powerful monsters in their lair, the environment is against you. And every turn on initiative count 20, the lair takes an action. And again, they're not super powerful. They're not as powerful as like a PC's action, but they're still there. And they still help even the economy out, right? I think one for like a red dragon is a cloud of smoke belches out of the ground. Everyone inside can't see well. That's really simple. It's very evocative. And it's something. Gives gives them a thing. Right. It gives them something to do. And it helps you with that inherent problem in the economy. There are other ways that you can really help fine tune your big boss. I mean, is that where like ads come in? Yes. <laughs> So coins and scrolls recommended use the environment because the environment is part of the scene. It's a big part of, you know, you don't have the duel with the man who killed your father on like a street in the middle of the day. You have it on the (laughs) mast of a ship during a thunderstorm. It's more dramatic. It's a big part of the whole thing. So have stuff that the players can interact with and that change things, right? Maybe you're fighting the dragon in the cave and there's treasure everywhere. And the, you know, you're freaking out and you look down and there's a magic sword in the treasure. You pick it up and use it. That's something to help hook the player into it and really bring it all together. The other one is if you have a big attack, right? Right. Like the giant swinging the, the huge tree down or the dragon breathing fire. And it's, it's really powerful. You want it to be really powerful, but you don't want it to just kill the PCs all at once. Right. You don't want to nuke them. Right. You can do it, but you have to telegraph it. So maybe the dragon spins its action for one round and it just inhales and you see the fire start in the back of its throat. So now the players realize something big is going to happen next turn and they they can make a decision, right? Yeah. If the dragon's really hurt, maybe it's worth it to just like, we're just going to try. We're going to do as much damage as we can this turn and pray it works. Or they can take cover and lose their action next turn. Oh, you know, it, it gives you choices as the player, but it, again, you know, this is coming. Yeah. You see the giant swing the tree back for a haymaker. You should probably do something about that. Yeah. You should be ready for that. And it's not on the GM if you're not. Well, what happened? Look, well, he, he spent a whole action breathing in. I mean, he, he breathed fire. You, you died. I don't, I can't tell that any, like the, that's <laughs> yeah. as clear as I can make that what's going to happen. Um, I'm not going to feel bad about this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I gave you every tool you needed. Um, <laughs> the other thing is having 
a clock, even if your your boss is just more powerful than the party, right? Yeah. You have something in the scenario where the party only has to survive so long, right? Right. Uh, maybe our objective is we don't need to kill the big boss. We just need to get, like, the captured prince he's kidnapped away. Or maybe the big boss has done something to make himself super powerful, but it's killing him. And every turn, he's taking damage. So we just gotta wait it out. Right. So what do we do every turn? We drink healing potions and, and like, try and put statuses on him and heal ourselves and whatever. And again, that's something different. It's interesting. And it's a way that can help you balance, oh, this guy's a lot stronger than I thought he would be. Well... That's fine. They don't have to win now. They just have to not deck. Right. And also give alternative solutions. The advice mm. coins and scrolls made was there should be something that you can do in a combat that's not just combat. Ooh, that is a really good point. Have a non-attack role-based action you can take. Right. You're in a, a room, you're fighting the dragon, and the dragon has a bunch of goblins that like work for it. Someone can go over and like bar the door so the goblins can't get in. Yeah. And that, that can be a huge deal. They didn't spend their turn doing something in combat. All of these options are just to try and help balance it. Because like I said, when you're in the situation where you are only taking one action in a turn and there are five players, you immediately Oof. have have a problem. Yeah. And now, like I said, I'm not picking on D&D. D&D has done actually a lot of good and interesting ideas. But yeah, that's just the easy example. Right, it's the easy example. And some systems handle things a little bit better. And some systems, as you take damage, you take penalties. So you don't have as bad a problem with, well, but I could be doing damage. Because, you know, in D&D, like, well, until we drop the wizard to zero hit points, he's still casting spells. He's still 100%. Which also has the problem of, like, I mean, tactically speaking, usually focusing fire on one enemy at a turn is the best solution. <laughs> Yeah. Often. Not always. But, you know, if every turn we just pick one enemy and, like, we take that one down. Great. Well, they have one less action next turn. Then we take that one down. And then you're building up a better situation for yourself every time. And it's true. It may be a really good choice, but it may not be a fun choice. Right. Right. Because that's ultimately what we're all here for. Right. We're all here to have fun. So I hope... I have explained this idea, and it hasn't just been me rambling to myself for 20 minutes. No, um, it's actually, I think, been very informative about how to think differently about your actions in an RPG. Especially for the GM, right? It, it's a really yes. big problem for the GM. It's something they need to really think about. They absolutely should think about it. Because, man, every GM's had that problem. We're like, I made a really cool villain, and they killed him on the second turn. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So let's try and avoid that in the future. <laughs> I mean, here and there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, sometimes the players, sometimes, especially if you have a villain who's been really hounding the players, sometimes it's really fun for the players to show up like, no, we prepared for you. Your plan doesn't work now. <laughs> We're shutting this down. Uh, and that's fair. But to go along with all these ideas and this the stuff I've talked about, I really encourage people to go out and find some independent RPGs because this is a, a discussion that happens a lot between game developers. I mean, obviously, it's, you know, I put a cool thing that I thought people would do in the game and no one's doing it. Why? <laughs> so, you know, it's something they think about. How do I make people take this choice. So yeah, I really encourage you. Go out, find all these weird indie RPGs that are like super niche. 
but have unique mechanics in them and see how they work. Take them apart. Maybe there's something that you want to take back to whatever game you're running or playing in. Well, uh, <clears throat> thank you for sitting down and humoring me and reading from the prompts, Ben. <laughs> Anytime. I can do that. <laughs> well, I'm Ryan, the sticky rolls guy. And I'm Ben, the, uh, sure, player. Together, we're starting equipment.